Alrighty guys, welcome to episode 8 of the Pull Hitter Podcast. This podcast is titled Chaos is the Ladder. So we're getting into the second wave of fantasy baseball drafting season. We experienced the wave obviously in February and March before the pandemic hit and shut baseball down. League owners, commissioners... Fantasy players of all the likes have been adjusting for what will be a 60-game short season. The 60-game short season sprint that will be the baseball season will definitely test the allegiance of baseball fans. It already has. That's been established. Fantasy baseball players, baseball fans, we're all somewhere in between and struggling with how this will affect our love for the game how this will affect our normal strategies and playing. If we lose an edge, if we gain an edge. It's all things that have been going on in everybody's head. Obviously, you're probably mad at some baseball players for opting out or for voicing their concerns about their pay and their safety prior to the conclusion of the agreement. I have been pro-player the whole time, and I will continue to do so. However, I'm not here to tell you which side to be on. That's for you to decide. I love baseball and everything about it, so I'm amped up. I'm excited for the chance to watch it, to consume it in the way I've normally consumed it, and to play fantasy. I'm not going to be that guy calling for David Price's head because he's opting out of playing this year. If I had enough money to not have to go to work amongst the world being in a pandemic, I would too. If you are mad that someone paid him a ton of money to play a game you may consider a child's game. But in truth, these players have built up their whole lives and dedicated their life to this craft. And even if they get paid a large amount of money, it still doesn't take away from the fact that they put in this work to be able to get to this level And to be able to have enough money and to have a great life. And so if he feels like it's best for his family, and that's for anyone, if they feel like it's best interest in their family, I feel like they totally have that right to say that they don't want to play. And if you're mad about it, just use your energy somewhere else. Use it for something good in your life. Direct it to do something positive in your life instead of just being mad at people for making moves that they want to make. So, Chaos is a Ladder. If you are familiar with the hit TV game show, Game of Thrones, you are most likely familiar with this line, Chaos is a Ladder. It was spoken by the show's often whistleblower slash chaos starter, Lord Peter Baelish, a.k.a. Littlefinger. The point that he was trying to hammer across in this scene and he spoke it in was that amongst all the fighting and the chaos in the realm, that it was an opportunity for someone to emerge with a better standing in the hierarchy of kings and queens versus the less noble, which whom he was. To use the chaos as a way to position yourself that is beneficial to your well-being. So using this concept, I will explain what I am doing and what I am using as my steps to climb the fantasy baseball ladder among all the chaos the short season is expected to and most likely bring. In short, 
Among the chaos is a rush to determine what player trends will better help you to find an edge this year. And my strategy is simply this. It's the same it's ever been. My goal is to roster a team of players with skill sets that I believe prove valuable to my fantasy baseball team in the best way that I can and to limit the amount of risk I am rostering in the meantime. So with more chaos around me, I am choosing to reduce the noise and stick to basics. So to better help understand my thinking about the upcoming season, I'm going to guide you down a small path of my fantasy baseball mind and how I like to evaluate players and construct my rosters. I love stats. I love the analytical breakdown of players. Ever since I first laid hands on the baseball forecaster from Baseball HQ, I was head over heels about the ability to decipher how a player's skills and subset of skills can show me more about a player than just looking at a surface stats. In the past three years, it has been even more fun incorporating StatCast data into our evaluation of players for fantasy purposes, as well as learning more about the game of baseball in its own right. I try every day to learn and absorb as much information as I can from the countless wealth of stats, live games, and watching videos, specifically on prospects. One thing I have chosen to do is limit the amount of quote-unquote noise I include in my player evaluations. While I have taken the time to understand as many metrics and stats that I can, I have chosen to bring only a select few to my primary core of evaluations. The others can stay in the background. I'll look at you from time to time time to time don't worry about it but to me they exist more as noise and fun to look at my reasoning is that there is obvious proof that we that we are not really good at accurately predicting player performance and player value so why are we trying to add more subjects to possibly be wrong in why quote-unquote bake in more possible performance projectors for this season because it's the short season If you were short on time and you were baking a cake or cooking a meal, would you all of a sudden start looking for more ingredients to add, despite probably already knowing what would make a good tasting cake or a good meal from your prior experience? I know I wouldn't. So I would go through some various new trends in the market that attempt to predict player performance and player value in the short season, as well as possible roster construction approaches, and how much I will be baking or not baking the trends into my strategy for this year. So I'm going to start off by talking about the NL pitchers now facing DHs and not pitchers. And so needless to say, the NL pitchers will now have a harder time doing their job as they are not normally accustomed to facing DHs. The edge we used to give the NL pitchers versus their AL counterparts has vanished. I'm still going to have some trust in the better NL pitchers to adjust to the different level of competition they'll be facing. Players will always remain more than stat adjustments we make because of the new rules and gameplay from the MLB. Players are more than projected stats. Jacob Hagram has had a 2.28 ERA with 40 Ks over the last two years versus American League teams playing for the DH. He also struck out 35 of the 50 pitchers that came to bat against him last year. The pull hitter approach to this is baking in a little bit with guys like DeGrom, Strasburg, Kishore, Flaherty, Castillo, Greinke. I'm going to half-bake it with guys like Trevor Bauer, Paddock, Hendricks, Bumgarner, all the way down to your Musgrove Stroman type. And ADP target-wise, 200. Stroman is a guy I like because he has shown he can be effective in the AL. And I'm fully baking the adjustment in for the NL pitchers after the 220-ish range in ADP. So be aware of pitchers in the NL that are past that 220 ADP point. And just remember how much more of a tougher time they will have 
now as compared to years past. Now we're going to talk about NL lineup using the DH. So for the entire 2020 season and possibly beyond, the DH will find its home into the NL for every game played. So this opens up some at-bats for players in many ways. We've got super utility guys who will be on the field as much as they can handle. Subbing in for players who will slide into the DH spot as semi-day offs. I do not think you will see clubs using one guy as their primary DH. Last year it was only 8 players who had 400 or more at-bats, primarily at DH. So proactive and progressive coaches are using this DH spot even now as a way to keep your better bats in the lineup but give them a rest on the field. Some players will benefit from playing the field even less now. Guys who are injury prone or on the path to healing from an injury earlier in the year will now have the opportunity to transition into the season a little more seamlessly. The DH also helps teams with a plethora of skilled players fighting for playing time at positions. The Reds are a team that will clearly benefit by being able to keep a constant wave of bats ready for both righty and lefty pitchers. They have an overflow of outfielders, and maybe you can bump up Winker a little bit now, and Akiyama, especially if he's leading off, and even Eugenio Suarez, as he is recovering from off-season surgery, so maybe from time to time they give him a rest and put him at the H. The Dodgers will be another team that will be able to employ a constant cycle of position players and DHs into their lineup. Guys like A.J. Pollock would benefit from not having to run around the field and getting hurt all the time. And Kiki Hernandez has a chance to play every day because of his ability to play almost every single position on the field. And in deep leagues, or maybe draft and hold leagues, I'm looking to target Matt Beattie for his multi-positional eligibility and his ability to drive the ball. So the pull hitter approach here is to bump up guys like Ryan Braun, Andrew McCutcheon, Howie Kendrick, J.D. Davis, Will Myers, Kevin Cron, and Tommy Edmond. I love Edmund's ability to help in multi-categories as well as multi-positions. Is there a name for guys like that? A multi-catapositional player? An MCPP? Hmm. The next thing I want to talk about is the 60-game stat trends or 60-game stat snapshots um, that some people are showing and retrieving stats that players have accumulated in 60-game runs You know, either through rolling averages or rolling graphs. And rolling graphs are great to look at. I love how it shows a snapshot of skills or raw numbers in a quick snapshot view. And, you know, who doesn't love that? Quick snapshot views of data. I find it most beneficial when looking at pitchers' velocity, their pitch mixes, and first pitch strike rates on rolling graphs. I feel like it gives me a better way to retain what I'm looking at instead of just reading all about it. And for batters, I will look at Woba, as well as hard-hit fly balls and line drives. So I see a lot of info out there just capturing what certain players have been able to run off in 60-game stretches. And I will admit that it's tons of fun to glance at and just see what players can accomplish in those subsets of 60 games. But I will not be using it as a tool to determine or to come to any conclusion on who is most likely to have hot or cold stretches in this 60-game sprint of a season. So the pull hitter verdict is I'm not baking 60 game subsets of stats at all into my roster construction process. Next up, we are going to talk about quote unquote compilers. There's a notion out there in the fantasy world that batters who earn their value through simply accumulating at bats will somehow lose value. I do not see how this rings true at all. I want to beat variance with volume. 
the stats they compile do not just appear magically in games 61 through 162. We need batters who will be in the lineup near every day, preferably toward the top of the order, and with a good history of staying healthy and racking up at-bats. The pull-hitter approach here is to not bake this anti-compiler tag at all into the player evaluation. Next up, we're going to talk about how pitching ADP is on the rise. Recent draft results from the drafts being held on NFBC show that starters and closers will come at a hefty price on draft day. The top-line pitchers, your aces and studs, are climbing up the board. Jacob Pagram and Garrett Cole have been sitting in the first round, and they're still there, but they've been bumped up to even second, third, fifth overall. It is the guys like Shane Bieber, Mike Clevenger, Clayton Kershaw, Lucas Giolito, and Yu Darvish who have seen some dramatic bumps. One that is just too far for me to dive into. I'm not saying it's a bad strategy or a bad pick to go up and get these guys. It is just something that I don't normally practice and it's something I will not practice now in my roster construction. The ramp up for these pitchers will put them behind the eight ball and getting... Up to speed to go deep in games. Not for all pitchers, but for the majority of them. I'm not comfortable passing up bats who play every day versus a pitcher who might be giving you less innings pitched out of the gate. I'm looking to grab some innings eaters who look like they will be ready to throw six innings in their first start. So the pull hitter approach here is to start off with a Zach Greinke, Lance Lynn-like combo at starting pitching and pound the bats early. So I want reliable inning eaters who will be able to go full go right at the start of the season, coupled with tremendous batting skills. Now, closers have also seen a tremendous spike in their ADP. Guys like Keona Kila, Joe Jimenez, they're now going around a time where you can usually start settling into some great mid-round power at. If you are late to the party... For save, you will be passing up on the Kyle Schwarbers, Carlos Santana's, and Elvis Andrews of the world to draft Archie Bradley and Keela and Jimenez. I'm not getting involved with that in any fashion, nor do I really want to go higher up into round 6 and 7 to grab uh, Ken Giles and Nick Anderson or Hector Nuiz. Coaches have less time to be patient with closers. Everyone is in the playoff race, and I expect club to try to sneak into the playoffs and contend for a World Series. You can grab a closer like a Aroldis Chapman, but I will present this scenario to you. He struggles a little bit. The Yankees obviously are going to play to win win the World Series. That's what the Yankees do. Now, they have an excellent bullpen. Is it possible that he struggles for a week or two or maybe longer and he just completely gets replaced by another one of their great bullpen arms? It is possible. Here's another scenario. What about Liam Hendricks? He's projected for 25 innings picked this year and a 2.95 ERA. Now let's just say he gives up three more earned runs in those 25 innings pitched. Now you're looking at a 3.96 ERA. Not exactly the kind of production I want to target in that fifth or sixth round. And that's what it's going to cost you right now. That small output and innings pitch from your relievers can swing your rates just too much for me. I'm baking in this trend of getting closers early by waiting to draft them as late as I can. If I have the opportunity to get a Giles at a reasonable acquisition cost, I'm going to be all in on that. Don't get me wrong. 
But I'm going to try to target a back-end guy like Gallegos, just in case he runs away at the job. And if he doesn't, he could still maybe give me some good ratio. Or maybe he'll just get a handful of saves instead of all the saves. But I still honestly believe Carlos Martinez will find himself closing again this year. When I am extreme pull hitting, I usually tend to wait on closers. And I try my hand in some speculative bids on next up relievers who have tantalizing skills and the ability to stabilize your ratios. Which brings us now to the piggyback starters or the bulk relievers that might be a commonplace strategy for some teams this year. So the Atlanta Braves have already led the charge by saying their pitchers will start for about two or three innings pitched, maybe even four, and then get piggybacked by another starter or long reliever who will pitch another two to three innings. There is some real value to be had here. These pitchers will have the chance to get wind and relief and hopefully put up stellar pitching lines along away. Pay attention to the intra-squad scrimmages and team depth charts. As of now, I am targeting Freddie Peralta, Matt Andrees, Ryan Yarbrough, Yanni Torinos, Brian Abreu, AJ Puck, Randy Dobnak, Tony Gonsolin, Ross Dripling, Tyler Molly, Andrew Kittridge, and Trevor Richards. They have experience starting and experience relieving and can be extremely valuable to your team at the right moments. You just got to capture those right moments. Just pay attention to the common trends that managers show and hopefully you'll be able to pick up on something. These are my first impressions in the restart of the fantasy baseball draft season in 2020. Upcoming on the Pull Hitter podcast, just be a continuing trend of getting ready for upcoming drafts in this fantasy baseball season. I will be doing some three ups and three downs where I'll be targeting batters, starting pitchers, and relievers in separate segments and giving you three guys I love and three guys I'm not going with for each one of those categories. So stay tuned for that. And there will also be some podcasts on talking about ADP bias and how the trend in ADP can sometimes affect the way you look at player performance and player stats. With that being said, guys, I want to thank you for sharing your time with me today. If you would like to rate the podcast anywhere on any platform that allows you to rate podcasts, that would be very much appreciative. If you do go ahead and rate the podcast, take a snapshot of it and send it to me via email at pullhitterpodcast at gmail.com. That's pullhitterpodcast at gmail.com. Send me a snapshot of your review or rating and I will send you a pull hitter sticker. Maybe you'll get lucky enough to be entered into a drawing for a refrigerator magnet. Everybody loves refrigerator magnets. Again, thank you for hanging out with me. If you want to head over to the Pull Hitter Pod on Twitter, it's at Pull Hitter Pod, and you can find me at Deadpool Hitter. And again, the, the email is pullhitterpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys. Enjoy your day. Be kind to one another. Smile. Don't be a bag of shit. You know, simple things. All right. See you later, guys.